Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Today we'll be discussing the report on unidentified flying objects by Edward J. Ruppelt. The hassle over the word proof boils down to one question. What constitutes proof? Does a UFO have to land on the river entrance to the Pentagon near the Joint Chiefs of Staff offices? Or is it proof when a ground radar station detects a UFO, sends up a jet to intercept, the jet pilot sees it, locks on with his radar only to have the UFO streak away? Is it proof when a jet pilot fires at a UFO and sticks to his story even under the threat of court-martial? Does this constitute proof? Today again, Dr. Bill, I know your favorite subject, Mr. Ruppelt. How Ruppelt. are you today? Is hey, it, how you doing? Is, is the teeth silent? What's that? Ruppelt? It... I don't know. I don't know. Ruppelt. I, think, I don't think it is. Ruppelt. So we're going to talk about the book today, but uh, before we get started, uh, um, we had a couple comments on the YouTube channel. One was by, we are going to say last names, but um, from... Uh, Aaron, great show. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the simulation theory, which is along the lines that we're living in a simulation that was created by advanced humans or beings that figure out how to transfer consciousness to an avatar. And if you've heard about the documents released that say, according to the CIA, the world people live in is an energy hologram simulation and that astral projection is real. Got a comment on that, Bill? I mean, first of all, we're gonna we're gonna do a show on. I mean, that brought up a great subject. We are gonna do a show on that. I was reading into it, and I know you've heard of it. You've heard of most of everything, Bill. Um, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a interesting interesting topic, and I think about I don't know if it was ten years ago or fifteen years ago. I have the book sitting over here, and I got something on top of it. I can't Probably see a it. UFO book is sitting on top of it. No, yeah, yeah, I got enough of those. This is um, the singularity is near, and uh, I'm going to grab it. So, so say something while I get up, just for a second. Okay, well, simulation theory is kind of like um, the Matrix, basically. I mean, it's you know where the consciousness is put in other people, and it's uh, can be controlled. So what you got? You got the book there about that? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't remember this guy. The guy is Ray Kurzweil. He got a ton of um, press like 10 or 15 years ago. And his idea was that our computers will advance to the point where we can all upload ourselves into the computer or the computer will become so smart that we're just irrelevant. And a lot of people, at least Silicon Valley peripheral or Silicon Valley types, were big into that 10 or 15 years ago and they were like predicting that this was going to happen pretty soon and it didn't and then people sort of you know walked it back and there's a lot of hype about ai and uh, who is, is it thiel and maybe even um, musk talk about the threat of ai and right. i don't know it's um the new AI stuff isn't isn't conscious thinking, right. and it's not going to become conscious and thinking anytime soon. There was also in the 1980s, AI was really big, and they thought we were going to have thinking machines uh, within 10 years, and there was a lot of money thrown into it. In fact, I, I knew somebody whose dad was a um, 
sort of pioneer AI researcher. Oh, and really? He, yeah. And he, um, he ended up, I guess, leaving the um, university and became the accountant for a tribe because he was American Indian. Oh. And so he became the tribal accountant. Wow. And, but, okay. uh, yeah, it was a big deal. It's been a big deal. Uh, the new stuff does some really slick things, but the slickest things that I'm seeing, I actually have a, a AI thing on my computer where it does photo recognition. So you can put in like a bunch of photos and train it for recognizing stuff. That's pretty trivial. And a lot of the uh, current AI stuff, not that I know anything about it, uh, is just basically training, you know, this program to recognize things. And so when you show it something new, it recognizes the new thing as what it's been trained to recognize. I don't know. We'll see. We've been, we have so many things have been hyped, uh, out of like Silicon Valley and stuff. And then nothing comes out of them, comes out of it. So we'll see. And Silicon Valley is, is not cranking the cool products like they used to. I don't know what's going on over there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, for a while it was just like, everything was just exploding. I mean, I can remember, uh, signing up early for Google and the search engine, you put it in, you'd find all this really cool stuff and you'd find the information that you're looking for. Now you got to wade through like four or five pages of ads before you can find what you're looking for. I don't know. Nice. So, yeah, right. Welcome to the future. Now the next one was from our, uh, the story of UFO area 51 reverse engineer, Bob Lazar. Very exciting episode. Uh, Lazar. Lazar. Levi says, didn't he lie about working there? Um, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, so what Bob Lazar does have evidence about working at Area 51 or working through the subcontractor that that does Area 51 stuff. Let me do this. I got to clear, um, clear my throat. Hang on. Too. I got to mute this. So I think he worked for EG&G, and he had a pay stub to prove it. Yeah, he had um, a pay stub. I think he even had a photo ID. I mean, but, you know, photo IDs can be, yeah. like, for a place like that can be be yeah. faked. But there is definite evidence that Bob Lazar did work for the subcontractor for Area 51 briefly for a couple weeks at least until his – and what it looks like, it was until his uh, background check fell apart. His security clearance didn't come through. Yeah, that was. And then he, he, his wife and was he, having he, his wife was having an affair. So, well, yeah, but he risky. also he he also knew that uh, apparently he he had a feeling because they stopped calling him and having him come in. Yeah, because he was apparently they were having him come in fairly regularly for two weeks, and then they stopped calling him, and that's a sure sign that something's wrong with your security clearance. Yeah. It, so yeah, I think we, we talked about it in that episode. I think um, he did actually work there briefly, and there are a, he does have support for you know he has support for that. Everything else, you know, it's like, like with anything with UFOs, everything else is a question question mark. Yep. So um, those are from our YouTube channel. I want to thank everybody for listening. We're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of. Um, 
responses. Well, not really responses. We're getting a lot of activity on the on the new YouTube uh, campaigns that we're running. So thanks a lot. Keep the comments coming. We will, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. We'll read them. We we want to improve our show. Um, I just want to touch on before we get started the Elizondo. I went list. Did you listen to the entire three hours of the U? fo garage episode we're gonna give them a plug they're, they're a really good show um yeah i listen i listened to not all three hours but i i listened to uh, an hour or so of the elizondo stuff i didn't i didn't follow follow much beyond that so you you know more than i do sounds like he's their neighbor or something isn't that what you got out of that yes yeah he definitely they live in the same street or that's, block or something that's why i yeah. said that's why i was a bit jealous because i said you know i'd like to have Elizondo. However, I listened to uh, probably about forty minutes of it. I listened in the in the car back and forth, and um, it was kind of odd that Elizondo really didn't give us anything, um, other than the fact that he was um, at ATIC, right? Is that where he was? Yeah, uh, yeah. He well, he. I don't I know if you've seen it, that. but he also had that TV show for two series, two um, seasons on the History Channel called Unexplained. I've probably and you, seen you, it. I've seen. <laughs> I watched them all. You um, did he say he, he, he saw anything? On any no, no. Episodes? He just he just says says that he worked for the agency and that he um, you know he did see some things that he can't talk about. But I don't know. You know, it's just we'll see. Oh, and um, which. Is fine. We'll see what happens. The um, this whole UIP stuff is is interesting. I mean, they released that uh, they're releasing that latest video, the crappy triangle video, which is like, come on, <laughs> it's no, getting just, worse. Just, yeah, the, the quality is not getting better. It's getting worse. It's just garbage. Technology. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the. You know, Elon Musk did that tweet with the little chart with the camera resolution and the line of the sighting. The picture resolution doesn't change. And I looked into the camera resolutions are actually camera, the digital camera resolution compared to photo camera resolution is lower than film. So that's that's not the best comparison because film had, uh, I tried to look up some estimates on, on film resolution. Film camera, a 35 millimeter was like 80 megapixels right and uh, I mean now cameras are starting to reach that point and and I actually I was running around I I've decided one of the things I've decided to do I got my little uh, iPhone and it's got a decent camera in it I've decided I'm gonna try and take pictures of airplanes and stuff when I see them oh yeah and I've I've managed to take one picture or one helicopter and I haven't seen any other other airplanes, but the resolution, I mean, you're not going to get much from these, these handheld, these little cameras. I have a better camera that I've been playing with and I'll try something with that. But, uh, photography of a flying of an aircraft, even an aircraft in the air is a tough gig. And then as I talked about, about before, there's the, uh, photo paradox, UFO, I call it the UFO photo paradox. If right. you have a really good photo, it's fake. Everyone goes, yeah. it's fake. Yeah. So you're you're stuck with this crappy photos acceptance level. So if it's a crappy photo, people go, ooh, I don't know what it could be. And if you have a yeah. really good photo, it's fake. 
It's like the guy that was on the uh, the Italian guy and his wife were hiking on a glacier in um, the Italian Alps. Yep. And he had a great photograph of a UFO with a like a robot looking person walking around it doing something. Yeah. And, yeah. and he and he got fired. You yeah. Know, he he went to the paper and the paper says, "Yeah, we'll publish your photos." And the paper published the photos and said they're fake. He got his boss fired him. The guy was like, I wasn't able to find work for a year after that. Yeah, it's not, so, not like it is now where, well, we would probably say the same thing. Yeah, that's not real. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lose-lose situation. And when we get to it, there's the, uh, um, we won't get to it this week. We'll get to it next week. But there's the Boy Scout, Boy Scout leader that had an encounter in Florida that has a chapter in the Rupelt book that we're looking at right now. Is that where uh, they got that's burned? That's got some radiation burns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's got some interesting things. We'll talk about that, but Where we're not going to get to that today. They said it was a giant bird in the the Blue Book uh, um, That was a different one. Was that that was the one, one with the wife, uh, lady with the two kids. Yes. yes and sir. this is a different, this is a Boy Scout uh, leader driving some Boy Scouts home, and he saw something in the woods, and, and we'll go over that in detail. Okay. I actually like that one. And there's a there's a couple interesting points that makes it a very X fileish type um, situation, but I'm not going to talk about it this uh, week. Yeah, let's not jump Stay ahead. tuned, fan. Stay tuned. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> uh, did you watch the 60 Minutes episode? Yes, I did watch the 60 Minutes episode, and I watched the extended version, as you suggested. I just still, oh yeah 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 yep. still am not you know yeah I was the guy and all that, but. I, you know, we really didn't get much other than, you know, the, the, the two pilots, which was really good. That was a good interview and they're very that believable. Was, yeah, and, that was, um, that was the best part of that is that the, uh, the, the lieutenant, the yeah. female lieutenant, Dietrich, uh, yeah. was finally came forward and showed her face. And it was interesting to sort of watch the interaction between her and, um, her wing commander, because yeah. when she was talking, she was talking about this. She kept looking at him for like reassurance on yeah. you know what they were yeah. saying. And so did. as far as yeah, and as this is one of the things that comes up in um, like in Rupelt's book. This and we should say that Rupelt uh, was the first Project Blue Book investigator. He ran the program before him. There was um, Project Grudge which was a Lieutenant Cummings, I think. And then before that was Project Sign, which uh, the Donald Kehoe books calls Project Saucer because yeah. the, the, they, couldn't use that, that, they couldn't use the true code name because it was classified. So the press called it Project Saucer, but it was Project Sign. I remember when we were talking about that early on, and I said, why is this not matching anything that I'm reading? You know, we finally figured out that that was the reason for that. Let's... Yeah, it's uh, the the records. It's interesting because there's people that have. Uh, this is the thing that puzzles me about the whole UFO UFO story. I'm gonna scoot forward and clear my throat. Hang on. <clears throat> so this has been going on for 70 years, a little more if you count uh, 1947. And if something's sort of like a I don't know, a fad or, or whatever, what fad lasts for 70 years? Yeah. I mean, are we going to, 
as I on the run up, I discuss what's proof. Are we ever going to put our hands on one of these things? <laughs> well, the, well, I'm not sure we're going to get to it today, but the uh, radiation chapter in this book yeah. too has some interesting points. And one of the things that came out of this this book is the there's they talk about a meeting in this book at, where they were reviewing Project Blue Book, and that was the Roberts report. And yeah. the Roberts report was tied in with the CIA. And there was a big, um, in that other book that I read on the CIA UFO papers, uh, they spent years um, debating and people requesting, trying to get a full uh, release of the Roberts report. And the, I mean, which I thought was really weird because it was like five years before they even uh, released partial a partial report. And apparently there was a partial report in the um, uh, Condon report, Condon, Condon report on Project Blue Book that came out in 1969. But people had, somebody, people have been requesting, um, you know, doing freedom of information requests to get the full report and a site online has what they said they've compiled the full report and of course i don't have it here oh here it is oh it's interesting because they, they put their letters of their uh foid foia f-o-i-a which is uh whatever the the um, freedom of information act request and at the end of the letter that they were uh, requesting because they'd put in these requests to the National Archives, they put in a request to the CIA. At the end of the letter, it goes, in light of the extreme efforts that we have taken over the years to accommodate you with respect to your concerns, we feel it inappropriate to conduct yet another search on your behalf. Therefore, we are unable to assist you further and will not discuss this matter with you further. So they just told him to piss off. Yeah, we're done. Uh, yeah, we're but done they now. did... Yeah, we're done. We're not going to help you anymore. And they did, uh, apparently, so this has the Roberts Report, which uh, Ruppelt talks about. They had a, a meeting, and he doesn't name any names, and he changes some of the facts to confuse the issue. Um, um, that was a review of the first Project Blue Book, which recommended that they continue with the program. So anyway, uh, so a lot of this stuff, huh? Well, Grudge was the dark, you know, with a chapter of the dark era where they were debunking every, you know, every UFO side. They the program was still going on, but it was, seemed like it was an effort to discredit all of the UFO sightings that were uh, being reported, rather than with Blue Book, where they're actually doing a now. Rupelt did his always did his due diligence, but there was a time when the government simply did not want um, any of this to come out. Just, I mean, really only recently, and I don't know how, it's almost like they're just, you know, saying, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're now looking into UFO sightings by the pilots and things and investigating them. But really they're not going to, what are they getting? They're getting nothing more than we've got back in the day when radar was new. And yeah, it's you know, it's like the it's a repeating cycle. Yeah, it's just, we're not getting anywhere. Thing. We're not um, getting anywhere. But it, go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Project Grudge 
absolutely was not designed to in the, the designed to find proof positive proof it wasn't even impartial it was designed to um, disprove if anything uh, the presence of UFOs I'm looking for his uh, well one of the other things that I ran kind of ran across kind of weird as I read through his book is that they ran through 47 and there's no mention of the Roswell incident at all why that that didn't was that not a thing to look into I mean I don't know they I, didn't I, the, I mean if you you read it I know I mean did you find I mean you may not I think differently sometimes but it's like well why didn't they say anything about Roswell I don't know uh, I mean it's um this was even in the Kehoe books which I've read a couple of his books from the 50s there's no mention of the Roswell and the Roswell yeah I don't know I mean that got the Roswell got a huge amount of press but it also had a huge amount of of debunking press immediately after it happened yeah because it was a balloon right so <laughs> it wasn't yeah. really aliens crashing into the well, um, one of the things that one of the things that I got from this this uh, reading Rupelt's sort of report on UFOs is uh, there were a lot of balloons back then. Yeah. So and, and they were big. I mean, they were gigantic balloons. You yeah, know? the big the Sky, Project Skyhook, yeah. and he says um, uh, the Project Skyhook guys. He said they were the best, uh, like UFO spotters. Yeah. Uh, he said something. I can find it. I know I marked it. Well, at the one Washington. in, where they have a scope that's a 25, uh, whatever they call it, 25 magnification or whatever. Yeah, to, or to watch the. Uh, to watch the balloons. And they were talking about how they sent up an inner. They saw the UFO. So the guy went from the balloon to the UFO and yeah, he's watching yeah. it. But it was kind of strange because he said the UFO. They gauged the thing of like 15,000 miles an hour or whatever. But then they also said they saw it 295,000 feet up. And I go, this yeah, thing can't no, this see is, that. This is, there's, there's a lot of crap involved in this. The, yeah. So that, I think that you're talking about that was the uh, incident that happened at the um, missile range. Yeah. Yeah. There's an article that was in, in True Magazine called How Scientists tracked a flying saucer by commander robert b mclaughlin usn and um which is interesting with this article i, I should say about the presence or absence of rank in an article at that time and maybe moving into the future into the 60s at least i don't know what the policy is now rupelt's book does not list his rank he was he was a captain when he was in project blue book and i think they promoted him he was on a he was activated from from the reserves because of the Korean War, and he was assigned to ATIC, the uh, was that aerial aerial technical information center. Yeah. And the policy at the Pentagon is if you you the Pentagon's like you can I think things have changed these days, but you can write a book, you can write an article, but if you want to have your rank on it, which adds a certain level of um, Oh, I don't know. I can't think of the right word. Not expertise, but um, makes it more 
presentable, more established. You know, it's like saying, oh, this was this was an article written by Professor So-and-so. It's equivalent right. to that. It's like, this is an article written by, you know, he's a commander in the the um, thing, or he's a captain or a major. Right. The Pentagon had to approve whatever you wrote. If they approved it, you could put your rank on it. If they didn't approve it, you could not put your rank on it. So Ruppelt's book, even though when it came out and when he wrote it, he was no longer uh, active military. I don't know if he was still reserve. They he was did not put his rank on the article. And what makes it what's interesting is I have this True magazine thing on on UFOs from 1966, which has an article by Ruppelt in it. And this is after he died, and it has his mm. rank in it. No. So that actually suggests that the article, whoever put the article together, I don't know how a dead guy puts an article together. It's hard to do. And uh, yeah, well, some you know maybe special. <laughs> and then it also went through approval process at the Pentagon, and or I don't know maybe the rules are different. If you're dead, they can include your rank if you're dead. But yeah. it doesn't say he's a he's dead in this article. Although I'll take a look at it again. So yeah, that was uh, that scientist tracked flying saucer. That's a little uh, the one of the things that comes out when you look at the stuff is if you look at something in the sky, you cannot uh, without a reference or a triangulation measurement, you can't tell how far away it is. Yeah, I mean they did that with Arnold with the uh, first sighting of the first first uh, flying saucers. And, you know, he said, oh, it's this far away, and they were moving this fast. And other people have come back and done, um, you know, measurements and said, no, it wasn't, it wasn't as far away as he thought he was, and it wasn't moving as fast as, as he was. So uh, that's difficult. And this guy, he actually, I found a letter by this same McLaughlin who, who wrote this article about tracking flying saucers. And I'm not really sure it was him or he was writing about other people at White Sands that had um, had seen this, but he wrote a letter to um, J. A. Van Allen, who's the guy that uh, discovered the Van Allen Belt, which is the radiation belt around the U the uh, planet Earth. Yeah. And the measurements that he gave in here, he said it was an altitude between thirty five forty miles, and the object make the object five hundred to a thousand feet. And then the article had different measurements, which I don't uh, have at the top of my head or the top of my fingers. So that even between when this article came out and when the letter he wrote to uh, Dr. Van Allen, the distance measurements changed. So yeah, I mean, you, know, you got to take these distance, these size and distance with a grain of salt. Uh, it's a big problem with with sighting this stuff and, and sighting anything in the sky. And I actually did a uh, was that's one of the things I'm going to try and do with my my cell phone cameras. If I can get a picture of a plane, you know approximately how big the plane is, and then you can calculate its size. So we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I haven't you know I haven't been able to get a picture of a plane yet. I should just I should they fly right over my house from the airport. I mean not. They had one the other day that was so loud we couldn't even to yell to communicate in the backyard. I'm like, what is this? And we're oh, pretty far have... from the airport, too. Is this uh, which it's a, Air Force? Uh, no, it was passenger jet, but it was uh, oh, you wow. know, it was for the airport when, um, from Sacramento. 
and I wow. should have took a pic. Maybe I'll try it with my phone too. This weird. Just, just it, if you're out and a plane flies over, just take your phone out and take a picture. And, and look I at the can resolution. tell. Yeah, and I can tell the. I have that aircraft tracking because I was like, how far up do planes fly? You know, and they're like thirty, forty thousand. But I mean, this yeah. thing was obviously it's getting up to altitude from the airport, but it was pretty low and like and loud. So I don't. It's kind of weird. But it's important oh, to note well, with with. Uh, the you the the public's interest in ufos is i don't know if it's getting i i think it's getting more popular to well you're not nuts anymore if you believe in it i mean i don't want to say we believe it because i haven't seen one so i we're simply reporting and um giving the history at this point um of you know what we with rupelt's book it's what we really know what what we know about UFOs and based on RuPaul's reports, but it seems that the public's interest, um, I'll run our, you know, our tiny podcast and I tell people about it and, you know, nobody ever says well, that's stupid. You know, it's always like, Oh really? Well, you know, let me give it a listen. And I, I think, you know, I think, I think there's a huge interest in this stuff and it, and the interest is, uh, we're you know, we 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 grew up in what was started to be the space age and then we you know our country walked away from it and now we're slowly stepping back into it but it seems to be mostly a commercial thing with like musk and blue origin and i think there's some other companies but uh we might actually start doing serious space stuff again but i think that will be due to the competition with russia and china because russia and china are serious about this china is um you know has sent a probe up to the southern pole of the moon to look for ice and they sent back samples oh wow and they now they yeah yeah they, they didn't send it they're not sending it there just to like look around at the scenery they're sending it there to um as I'm preliminary serious? geological surveys the same thing that they're doing on mars right now it's a preliminary geological survey for a manned mission and a base and the chinese think long term so the, the, i don't know what their plans are but they're probably going okay we're going to have a base on the moon within 10 years it's going to be and you know, we're going to put it where the the water ice is and in 20 years we're going to have a you know a scientific research base on mars and yeah and we've sat on our thumbs for 50 years and sort of dicked around with the space shuttle and and pretending to uh, to have you know more bigger better rockets for moon and mars and those just seem to be big money sinks well we used so, the, we used the space shuttle to launch top secret and non-top secret satellites into into earth's orbit but I, well, yeah, the, I agree with you, but it's, it, it, what are we doing? Yeah. It was, you know? yeah, it was just, a, it was, yeah, it was stupid. Oh, uh, one of the things that's interesting is that when I was reading, I don't know if I said this last time, you know, Arecibo. Yeah. Oh, where, in the, where did I read that? Uh, the Arecibo Observatory was built originally with military money. Because they thought that they could track the ionization trail of satellites, of like the Soviet satellites. So it was originally built as a tool to track Soviet satellites. 
and when they they built it and then they tested it and said oh you know that's this side it doesn't work <laughs> we can't track we can't track satellites with uh with this, with this thing it just doesn't work it doesn't there is no ionization trail from satellites and they um they gave it to the national science foundation who never did any maintenance in 50 years and it just collapsed like last year so, is this that yeah. oh that's that giant one that's in south america in puerto rico Puerto Rico. Yeah, Puerto Rico yeah. and it just it just collapsed. They go, well, we don't have you have you heard of rust? Have you heard of uh, maintenance, <laughs> well, material by, maintenance and inspection? By, by the ocean. No, we don't have money for that. We well, don't have yeah. money for that. We only had money to sink millions into building the thing. We don't we don't have anything for preventive maintenance. No, so. no. Nobody can nobody can have a we can't put any oil on anything to protect it from rusting or paint. That's yeah. amazing. That so, is amazing. Uh, yeah, the 60 Minutes interview, I love the fact that the uh, two pilots came back and they just gave them a rash of shit for, for reporting it. Did you see that? They um, they put uh, on the, the movie channel, on or one of the, or on the movie channels, I don't know what they have on these aircraft carriers anymore. Um, they have... Oh, you know, yeah, they, have they made fun TV. of them. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they put little aliens they made cart- and cartoons. Yeah. And they and put she, uh, the, Men in Black, Independent yeah. Day, and signs on the TV. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they were just that's pilot stuff. You know, they do, oh, yeah. they do that. I mean, I don't. I'm sure they. I think they believed them, and we, they, I don't know if anybody saw the. Gun. They probably didn't release that gun video right away. They I don't just think came he, back and said the story. Nobody actually saw. Holy shit! They really did. They really did. We're able to paint that target, and it's a Tic Tac UFO. Yeah, yeah. At that uh, point, they were just talking about it. Yeah. But they did. That was cool because those two pilots actually did see something. We don't know what they saw. And it's uh, uh, it's interesting. So well, this, this is the episode where it's kind of like, when are we? If these things are real, they're going to be falling out of this. They, eventually, one's going to, I mean, if they're so perfectly, maybe they're just have, you know, things inside them that don't allow them to crash into the earth. Well, if, if you don't count Roswell, which we still don't really know. Um, why well, there are people you know, that, that have, um, there's that guy, um, what's his name? Bali. And he supposedly has samples of space, space rubble, spaceship rubble wreckage. And, uh, he's, he's, uh, they did that in that documentary phenomenon. They had him, and they was taking it to uh, Gary Nolan's lab at Stanford to uh, do an analysis. I don't, you know, I don't know what's happened with that, which is interesting. Well, this is the pub, public Bob Lazar kind of, you know, what is it made of? You know. Yeah. Well, they, but I've never seen any analysis of this stuff that says it's, you know, it's an unusual material or a, the, I'm not sure what you would see. You would probably see a, um, an, you wouldn't see anything. You'd see an unusual sort of blend of materials to make a specific type of metal that might not be, you know, we might not have discovered or, or made yet. Yeah. So I'm not sure what you would see would discover from the rebel. It's not going to be like, um, uh, that TV show debris, where it's it, all the rubble has magical properties. Yeah, 
It's interesting though because what Lazar said, they didn't really have. I don't think they had landing gear. I think it was kind of like they were always just floating there. Yeah, so they don't really. I don't crash. know. I don't remember I landing to... gear. We'd have to look at the model. Yeah, <laughs> the two hundred dollar model. That's still. Yeah, are you buying one. one? I was thinking about it. My wife said, "Yeah, just get it. If you you know, be look in the you know in the studio." Well, you and, have to uh, build it. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah, I yeah. built I built a model or two in my time. I think I have you it. have you built a model before? Not lately. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> Not lately. I mean, usually it was World War One aircraft was my favorite one. Remember, we, I used to always do those. But it's uh, anyway. So Rupel. So I kind of it's kind of a chronological as we go through the book, and we're only going to get through probably not even half of it of today. But, you know, I was kind of looking at it as a, you know, in a chronological order. That's why, you know, I, I'm, we're kind of, we know where we are today, still nowhere. But um, I, I think it's important to note that he, it was, uh, he did a really good job. And I think it's tr- honest and truthful as to this book. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, a really good, really clearly written um, one of the fun things that I've had from looking at it is uh, figuring out, since it's 70 years ago, if you can f- figure out some of the details that he didn't, uh, didn't talk about in the book. Like he talks about the Roberts report and he describes the scientists and you're like, he doesn't, you know, but he can't tell you who they are. Now you can go and look and see who they were. And he really liked, uh, Dr. Hynek and Hynek's. Yeah. I think the main reason that I'm, I've gotten interested in this, and that's because um, you know, he's a well-respected scientist, and he was brought in as a critic, a solid critic, and then he did a flip at some point. And what I want to get to is I'm, when eventually I want to read his, some of his books. I want to figure out why he did this flip, what changed his mind from uh, it's just natural phenomenon and and his job was just to to view it from the viewpoint of um, I think astronomical phenomenon. But he was he, he, astro, hundred... he was an astrophysicist, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think so. And so he he did a hundred and eighty flip on this at some point. And my question, and he and he's he's not you know you know he's not a crazy person. So yeah. that's really what got me interested in this. And there's uh, uh, Rupelt said about Dr. Hynek, he goes, he's one of the most impressive scientists I met while working on the UFO project. And I met a good many. He didn't do two things that some of them did. Give you the answer before he knew the question or immediately begin to expound on his accomplishments in the field of science. Yeah, um, yeah modern scientists, from what I've seen at the many, many talks at the university. They don't talk about their accomplishments anymore. They just talk about how much grant money they have, which is really, yeah, it's really frustrating because you sit down there and he goes, I raised $5 million. Bring my lab is bringing in $2 million. And you're going, and you're sitting there in the audience going, I don't care about the money. Tell me what interesting stuff you've done. And then you're bored for the next 50 minutes while he talks a bunch of shit. Yeah. That's just me. Well, you know, it's all about Um, money. You of all people know it's all about how much money you bring in. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh um yeah. 
and, it's, and the ideas are secondary. The ideas, it's, it's unfortunate that's the way the system has degraded to this point, but it's the ideas are secondary and the money is primary. And, um, yeah, that's disturbing, which is one of the reasons that I don't think we're seeing a lot of uh, interesting innovation, especially in, like, medical research. Yeah. Uh, even other things. Like I said, what's come out of... Um, um, what's come out of Silicon Valley lately. That's interesting. Yeah. Like you were saying, yeah, the, well, I like, well, we'll change the subject a little bit. There was the, um, aircraft. Did, did you read about the aircraft that was found on the beach in the book? The, um, uh, it was the flying flapjack. Do you remember that one? It's yeah. That, twin yeah. prop, you know, it looks like a pancake with no wings. Yeah. Um, that, and it's, so somebody said, we found UFOs are, it's important to know because it came out that, well, UFOs are, you know, us, you know, we're, it's a, this thing that looks nothing like, well, it looks a little bit like, I guess if you saw flying around, it might be, but it's important to note that it never flew. They found, oh, yeah. like, I don't know how it probably fell off a carrier or crashed somewhere. It's kind of funny because some guys just walk along the beach and this thing's just laying there. And uh, it, it did some hops. Did some run-ups and some hops on the runway, and then they finally, um, they finally destroyed it. But they said that it took a wrecking ball to the thing was so made so well, it took a wrecking ball to destroy the thing. And then they, um, then they, were, they made two of them, two prototypes. One of them got well, moved why, to a museum. That's why it couldn't fly. It's because it was too so heavy. heavy. Too heavy. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, you're supposed to make it out of light material. Yeah, but it didn't. Look, um, it doesn't look cool. Yeah. So in uh, in the book too, there was some meeting, and this is uh, I don't know what the meeting is. The new project grudge, where they're developing developing the new project Blue Book under Ruppelt, and he's at a meeting in the Pentagon, and he says two weeks before Christmas in 1951, Colonel Dunn and I went to the Pentagon to give my report on setting up Project Blue Book. Before the meeting adjourned, Colonel Dunn had one last question. He knew the answer, but he wanted it confirmed. Does the United States have a secret weapon which is being reported as a UFO? The answer was a flat no. So and that was a big question that a lot of people kept asking. Yeah, is it us? Uh, yeah, and it was definitely not us. Um, and, yeah. Is so, it really coming from, could it be coming from, you know, the polar ice cap somewhere or remember the oh no you, the i read hidden, the book the called the world. hollow earth i don't know if you the remember. hollow earth yeah they, they speculate well because you know we in some expedition that we went up there they found warm water and um plant life at one of the polar ice in, up near the pole in the polar ice cap up near one of the poles and there was speculation that there's it's hollow and large enough to get aircraft in there and there's even speculation that the nazis because those guys they tried to make a base up in the in the uh, polar ice cap and that's that's something we can explore at some point um you know because they're yeah you know just yeah. like you know uh, indiana jones where they're making they're they were not so much unlike that the occult you know, they were interested in cold. They were interested, you know, they were innovative. You know, got to hand it to the Germans. They were, you know, they were innovative. Oh, yeah. They're the, you know, the, the, um, yeah, 
they were their technology development was amazing. So I mean, they were, you, you know, they, is if it, they'd been patient, they would be ruling the world right now. Yeah, but there's speculation that the you know UFOs are coming out of there that the Germans knew something about it. They were, they were able to get, um, and we know we can get uh, submarines up in there in certain areas where it's, and you can even. Um, break that, through the Antarctic or Antarctic Arctic. Yeah. I don't know which, I don't know which one it was. Yeah. But, I, yeah. The, the hollow earth stuff. I mean, I've, I love the idea and I love the, um, Jules Verne journey to the center of the earth. Remember that old movie? I love that movie. I've seen it probably a hundred oh, times. Oh, it's awesome movie. Um, but yeah, no, I don't believe that stuff. Do you know project grudge? They, they had a 600 page report come out afterwards. What did they find? Uh, nothing. I mean, uh, the, the, <laughs> Somebody uh, was paid just, to write that report. Well, they had the, the you know, the, the report came out and, you know, they're like, ah, oh, this is the, and the whole idea was it was going to shut down the whole UFO flap. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it, it didn't. And the reporters got the, got the report and the, they kept flipping to the, the appendix, the appendix. The appendix, <laughs> and uh, uh, they go. It says twenty three of the reports are unknown. You don't. You can't explain what you saw with twenty three of the reports. I go. So the reporters just like this is a this is a load of crap. Yeah. You know, you're, you're telling us nothing's going on, but you can't tell us what's going on with twenty three percent of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's so, what they they boiled it down to. Twenty three percent of them were. We just don't know. You know, I yeah, mean, we, no, we don't know. just like we were discussing earlier, we can't put our hand on it. We It hasn't been close enough to where we can get a good picture of it. Um, are we just hallucinating? <laughs> nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the it, important thing to know about that 23%, those, there are reports, according to um, what Rupelt was talking about with... Um, um, the way they do the analysis, I'm not sure they did that with Project Grudge, although that Lieutenant Cummings was in charge of it, and he seemed to have been pretty professional about it. He said, um, well, basically a report that would be marked as unknown was um, what would be considered a good report. So you had reliable witnesses, you had good information, a very solid report. It's not just like somebody calling up and saying, I just saw a UFO over my barn. It was, you know, a good, solid report. So this is suggesting that 23, this is why the reporters, I think, were so um, irritated because these were considered good reports and they're not, and it's a quarter of the total reports and they're just going, yeah, there's no, nothing's happening here. Um, well, there is, there was we, a, don't, we can't, we don't know, we don't know how to figure out what it is. I mean, we don't have the tech, I guess. With the technology we have these days, Bill, Really, we can't. We can't. Figure. Of course, they fly so fast. Well, when they talk about fifteen thousand miles an hour, or whatever. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. A lot of these, uh, apparently, in this book too, Rupert was talking about when they'd actually do the the um, radar tracks. At, this is in the 1950s. This isn't uh, now. There's a couple things about radar that came out of this book, and one of them was uh, when they were able to actually analyze the radar tracks they would see upwards to a thousand miles an hour they weren't seeing these 15 that it with the ones you could actually get a track on yeah and do a measurement on the speed they were not seeing that the speed 
measurements with the really high ones, there's a, you know, he didn't consider those good tracks and uh, those were approximations and he didn't, he, he couldn't um, fully embrace them as a good measurement. And the ones that they could get good measurements were within a decent realm of possibility. Um, there's uh, an interesting thing that I was talking about. They had that meeting at the uh, Pentagon before, to, before they set up the new Project Blue Book from the old um, um, Project Grudge. And the guy that was running Project Grudge was a Lieutenant Cummings. And uh, Rupelt said from the meeting with Lieutenant Cummings at the end, which is summarizing and wrapping up Project Grudge, he goes, every word of the two-hour meeting was recorded on a wire recorder. The recording was so hot that it was later destroyed, oh. but not before I heard it several times. Lieutenant Cummings didn't disappoint. He later told me that all of the generals in a and about three-fourths of the full colonels present at the meeting had turned a shade of purple normally associated with rage. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Cummings <laughs> basically, uh, uh, towards the end of the two-hour conference, the general asked Lieutenant Cummings to review the activity of the UFO investigation for the past year and a half. Cummings proceeded to elaborate on the details. The attitude at ATIC the opposition to his reorganizing the project and the methods of processing reports, which um, basically he said, you know, it was crap, which is why they got upset. But they did, the results of this was, um, and press, you know, I guess, uh, pressure from the public was a reorganization and an expansion of Project Blue Book under Ruppelt. But apparently Project Rush, 600 pages, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can find that online. It's, I looked at it. I'm not sure I'm going to read it. I don't know if I want to wait. I have another, I have other lots of 600 pages yeah, of but, crap to wade through. I know, but it doesn't say anything, you know, really. It just well, I think the part, the, grudge the part, is the one where it just says, you know, we're saying yeah. this doesn't happen. Yeah. They were just saying, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So wait, I the grudge, bother. I'm not reading it. That grudge was designed to, uh, I think, designed to uh, disprove it and get the uh, press and the public off their backs. Yeah. And it didn't work. It had just the opposite opposite effect. Yeah, more and more people. It just all it did was make more and more people interested in looking up. And, you know, I, I just don't think in way back when people didn't even look to the sky as now you kind of like, You'll sit in the backyard and you'll look up and you'll go, yeah, I really wish one would fly over <laughs> so I can yeah, actually we, yeah. see it. Oh, one of the things that um, I've gotten out of reading this stuff is that the planes fly a lot higher now because we're pressurized jet engines and pressurized cabins. Yeah. Uh, reading some of these description of these flights in this book and stuff, they're flying at five or 10,000 feet because yeah. 15,000 is the altitude maximum for Oxygen. before you pass out. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently... Uh, Many people will pass out way before that. So for a um, aircraft without oxygen, five or, or a commercial plane at the time um, was um, five or ten thousand feet. So I thought that was interesting that all these people, all these flights and planes, most of the sightings were from planes, 
we're yeah. seeing UFOs in that that uh, area in the five to ten thousand feet. Now we're at uh, I don't know what the commercial thirty thousand, thirty thousand. I have flight tracker, a, a program, and you can look to see what's flying. They don't want to do military. That's what pisses me off. But um, you can look and you can. There's a little aircraft plane flying along. It's really cool. And you just tap on the aircraft. It'll show you what it is, how fast it's going, wh- where it's going, um, uh, you know, what its origin was, um, uh-huh. and its altitude. So it's it gives a lot of detail from the transponder uh, direct to your tablet or laptop. And it's cool. um, so I, that's what I said. I go, well, how, what is the altitude? You know, so I had to. T- it depends the. The highest one I saw was like I think thirty nine thousand, but um, okay. you know it's so that, you know but yeah that's that's high. It's a huge difference from the nineteen fifties and now. Yeah. Uh, I found a picture of the Bob Lazar Area fifty one UFO, and uh, you can pick one up for six hundred and sixty two dollars and fifty four cents. That's a bargain. I wonder yeah, if I, I would run at half it. the price. I wonder if you know. It's, um, I can order it on through Amazon and save $50 if I get a gift card or a credit card. Yeah. I'm only seeing this one. Um, the, um, uh, it looks like it just sits on the ground. Yeah. There's no landing the gear. Oh, no landing go. gear. I'll do another search. Oh, we started to talk about the skyhook guys and, yeah. um, the balloon guys. skyhook guys. Yeah, and he, well, Project Skyhook, they would send up these instrument packages to measure uh, cosmic rays for some reason. I don't know what the purpose of the project was. And it was run by General Mills. Yeah. Your, you know, that's your favorite said... cereal company. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I said, is that the same people that make the cereal? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they, they moved on. Well, nobody's interested in these balloons anymore. Let's make cereal. Yeah, so yeah. let's do cereal. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I'm not seeing any of these models. That's weird. Yeah, I saw yeah, them for mod- a couple hundred bucks and things. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to. I could probably just get a picture of it. Call it good. Because there's pictures online of it. You know, it's got a cutaway. Uh, I think it's got a cutaway of the interior of it and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I was seeing them. They weren't too bad. It was I was looking about a month ago. They weren't too bad. I think I mean, that it was, worse. It was, it was 200. It was 200, I think, when I saw What is it now, 600? Yeah, someone's asking that. But I saw them. I think I saw them for less than 100 bucks, which I was like, ah, it's not too bad. It's like, still crazy, but it's not too bad. Yeah, they were they're testers, too. The shittiest models you can get. Well, also, you know, like I said, with... I was in the grocery store and it was like, if they were out of all the other Ravel and all the other ones, and my dad yeah, like, pick well, a model, you know, cause he can take it home and you won't bother me while I'm drinking beer and watching TV. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, oh, I gotta get this testers model. That's so shitty, but <laughs> it's just better than nothing. <laughs> Beggars can't I'm be choosers. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can Your you hear me? Sound just. Yeah, your sound faded for a minute. Say um, something here. Yeah, your your sound just your sound's gotten funky for some reason. All right, well we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up. This is gonna take probably right. three oh, episodes. That, go ahead. Yeah, that that that's good. Uh, anyway, the skyhook people. Let's just let's just finish with this thought. Uh, 
What made these people so sure that UFOs existed? In the first place, they had seen many of them. One man told me one tracking crew had seen so many that the sight of a UFO no longer even especially interested them. Oh, my God. You can't get any better than that. So I was just I was thinking about this skyhook uh, balloons. They look like uh, like big flying saucers. So maybe the flying saucers were just attracted to them. So it was like a duck decoy for flying saucers. <laughs> they thought, oh, that's like another that. flying saucer. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Let's check it out. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, no, there are no Bob Lazar uh, UFO. There's one. Wow. I guess uh, I think all this UFO stuff is, is mania. Uh, impacted. Yeah. Yeah. Mania. Yeah, it's cool. Cool. It's good. All right, Bill. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome your questions or comments to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at the Alien Probe Podcast, our website, alienprobe.net, Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Find us on all Spotify, Apple, Google, and all podcast platforms thanks to our senior producer robert anthony until next time thanks bill bye